can feel myself rot. The pain of being dead. I don't seem to have much of any reasoning power. Seventeen seconds. Reanimation at seventeen seconds. The eyes open. Not dead? Are you mad? I saw her die. The doctor signed a certificate. I saw them bury her. Look at the face. It's vacant, with a hint of sadness. Infected with what? Rage. In the midst of a pandemic, we took a break. For Halloween, we're back from the dead. Blood and Black Rum Podcast is Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coldsploitation.com and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? We are at the end of our Halloween season uh, with our reanimated series. Uh, which is sad because, you know, it's been a fun romp. It's been, it's been fun, just like been, every year. Been fun taking on all these kinds of zombie movies. What did we do last year? Uh, last year we did. Um, was a remake of Ween. I think. It, is that you know two years now? That might have been two years ago. I can't remember what we did last year. Um. Oh, Anthalloween. Oh yeah, last year was Anthalloween. That's right. Yeah. Um, last year was in Halloween. Silly me. Year before that was remake a Um, yeah, we have fun with these things, and uh, this year was zombies, obviously. Uh, and we're coming to the end of the reanimated series where we covered all the the usual, uh, very um serious zombie movies, and so we thought the best way to tackle the end of the uh the zombie film series was to do a film that is not really serious about zombies. It's more of a parody. Um taking on the zombie genre and, you know, trying to, uh, to make light of it and, and find funny, uh, jokes within the zombie genre and also like throwbacks to I'll, certain things. I take offense to that because this film probably has more character development than all the other films that, is that true. we've done it combined. Is, yeah, it's true. We'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> as we get further into the film. Uh, but we're talking about Shaun of the Dead, the, uh, 2004, Four. uh, zombie film from Edgar Wright and, uh, Simon Pegg, um, uh, very popular at the time, very popular with uh, high school kids in particular, and specifically our high school kids in particular, uh, because we would have been of the age of at that time when it released, where it was a big deal. Uh, uh, endless quoting from various elements of the film, and uh, that's sort of the thing that can 
drive your either your nostalgia for a movie or uh, your um, disgust for a movie because it really depends on if you were uh, quoted to death by other people for the movie and um, that can sometimes occur where there's just quote overload. Um, one of those in particular would be Borat. Would it's be, a night. Yeah, exactly. You know, that would get be to, another get good to hear example. Every, you know, of, every idiot, you know, like doing their crappy, yeah. you know, it's a night. Yeah, so there's, there's, a, there's definitely a fine line between being able to enjoy the film and quote it and remember it for the nostalgia factor and then also be, just being so overwhelmed with everybody quoting the movie that uh, it becomes a chore to. No, but there's some films. There are some films, because one of those films that was like that for me was Napoleon Dynamite. Absolutely. Because it was ruined before I got to see it by people quoting it very shittily, <laughs> and then quoting, like, the shit quotes. Yeah. Like, our high school wasn't smart enough to be fucking quoting Uncle Rico going, you know, I could throw that pigskin over them there mountains. They didn't, you, no. you mean they didn't pick out the best, like, the No, they just kept parts, being like, those parts. are my tots, Napoleon. Yeah. Yeah, the, like that's like one of the worst lines in the fucking film, and that's what you choose right. to like. There's, you, you're you're saying there's a lot of better subtextual elements to yeah. Napoleon Dynamite that are very funny that people didn't really recognize or, and some of those elements are not easy to quote. Like you can't quote them. Like another one that's a great example that has always been a part of our life is Uncle Rico standing up <laughs> to eat a steak. That's always been a part of our life. That is a very mundane moment of Napoleon Dynamite. But yeah, it's how Ryan eats the steak. Exactly. Yeah, that always sticks with us as part of our life. It's probably one of the funniest moments of Napoleon Dynamite, and that's not something that you can just pull out and quote. It's you know, it's more than that. So, but as you call people uh, troglodytes, that's <laughs> that's what high school when Napoleon Dynamite was. Yeah, uh, troglodytes just making terrible quotes. Yep. Uh, Shaun of the Dead was sort of like that, although it, I don't know that it got as much uh, airtime within like high school. Uh, classes and things like that where people were really quoting it uh, over the top and, and going... I think um, it was just our click. Yeah. Air, I, air quote on the click. I'm yes. not sure. You know, Shaun of the Dead definitely had its um its uh, fans at the time, but uh, I, I'm not sure that it was as much of a... Uh, as a big event for some people because it does have a particular sense of humor about it. Um. And not only that, but it has a particular sense of humor about uh, horror and specifically zombie movies that doesn't always translate to all audiences. Um, so are there probably are some people that don't really find Shaun of the Dead that funny. Which is funny, going back to Napoleon Dynamite, because they're both incredibly dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, one's British dry humor and, you know, others, you know, the American, you know, awkward dry. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's would, kind of funny that, you know, like I find Napoleon Dynamite to be hilarious, but uh, Shaun of the Dead, I just don't get it. They yeah. call people twats and tits. There are definitely different types of humor, but um, they're on the same wavelength. And I think that Shaun of the Dead um, does, you're right, has a very dry sense of humor. Um, not all moments are like laugh out loud funny. Um, it's more of a, um, you know, like an internal chuckle sometimes. Um, that you find like wry and, and uh, humorous instead of, you know, uproariously funny. Um, and so some of those quotes end up being very sort of um, mundane. Yeah, mundane and, and contextually, you're not really, you know, if, if you're just saying it out of context, 
there may not be anything funny about it. Like you've got red on you um, is not that funny when you say it out of context and you just kind of put it into. Are you sure? Because that was probably the most quoted line in school. I know it is, which is weird because it's not really uh, out of context. It's not really that funny. So I guess part of the the fun of having a film like Shaun of the Dead where you can quote it is when other people get your quotes. Because if they don't get your quotes, like when you're in a clique like that and you're like, well, you're outside of the clique, obviously. You didn't understand that quote. So listen, uh, when I'm at my job, I can I can yell spaghetti. And there's a couple of people who laugh out uproariously because they're in. They're, exactly. They're in the crowd. Exactly. Yeah. And then and so that helps you identify <laughs> your people. Um, so that's kind of what I think that's what happened with Shaun of the Dead. Now, I will admit that um, I had wa- I watched Shaun of the Dead when I was younger uh, back in that time. And I liked it, but I wasn't like a huge fan of it. And I've really only seen it a few times, um, including this time. Shame. And uh, so it's very interesting that, um, you know, it, it stuck with some people and not others. And particularly for me who, uh, you know, I love zombie movies and, and I love horror. Um, you would think that Shaun of the Dead would really stand out as a, a film for me that I would have, like, run to. But for whatever reason, um, it just, you know, it wasn't one that I – that stuck with me when uh, back when it came out. Um, you know, now I find it funny and – I enjoy it quite a bit, um, especially as we've watched all of the zombie films prior to this one. So we can kind of see um, different examples of zombie movies and then what Shaun of the Dead does with those ideas um, and kind of turns them around and, and uh, plays with the the humor the humor aspect of uh, some of those events that happen. Um, so it's interesting to me to watch it after we've seen all these zombie movies and kind of put it in context of um, – where it's coming from, especially in 2004, um, within the boom of zombie films. It's really, you know, a big time for zombie movies, as we've covered on the show. Um, yeah, the only one we didn't do was Land of the Dead. Pretty much, yeah. So, definitely interesting to take a look. And it was a good idea to leave Shaun of the Dead for last and, um, you know, come back to it after we've, we've watched and, and talked about all of the, the other zombie movies that we decided to, to, to pick for this uh, series. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, before we get into Shaun of the Dead as a whole, let's take a break real quick, and we're going to talk about the beer that we've got on the show today. As you're, like, hiccuping your, yeah, way, right, th- your way through very awfully, even more <laughs> so than usual, you're... Got struggling. Got the hiccups. So the beer that we have on the show today is one that we've talked about and we talked about recently on the on the podcast. Um, obviously, we've had Genesee beers on the show lots of times, and we've covered many, many different Jenny beers um, from you know their uh, their uh, craft beer line, <laughs> which is. Uh, <laughs> What? what? You just struggling to find the. No, I was just right trying. Now. I'm trying to think of the the name of their their beer line, their uh, Jenny Brewhouse beers. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for that that term. They don't even really do that anymore. Yeah, not too much. But but we've had a bunch of those on the show. We've covered those before. We've covered the regular line. I think we've even done something as generic as uh, the cream ale. I think we've you know we've had the cream ale on the show. Well, one of those beers that has not come around for quite a while that Jenny had used to make and uh, was a staple of their their um, line. 
did come around last year, but uh, we missed the it. guy. Well, we didn't miss it. The guy admitted that owns uh, one of our beverage centers around here said uh, he just plain forgot to put an order put in. Order in. Yeah. Uh, this one it has now become a special edition. Like they don't do it all the time, frequently. They have it on brew at their brew house on tap all hmm. the time, to- you know, twenty four seven. So. Wow. It's kind of, a, I think... So it's a specialty for everyone else that's not in Rochester. Yeah, well, I think they, it's a, a kind of a smart idea in the sense of, like, kind of lure people. Like, yeah, you know, get, like get people in and give them a reason to go to the brewery. Yeah. Makes sense. But, I mean, I wouldn't pick this beer to do it with, though. Well, the one that we Maybe we're talk- do that with the honey brown. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right. That just joined their, their line. Yeah. The one that we're talking about is 12 for sale. Which is a special edition released for the winter season by Jenny. Uh, And currently, for people outside of the Rochester area who don't have access to the brewery, it's once a year. It's a not even. They yeah. haven't. This is the first time I've had it in six, six, maybe seven years. Yeah. Because um, I think the last time I had it might have been six, seven years ago. Is when it was stuffed in a pack, and you'll remember because you were laughing at one of the beers. Mm-hmm. It had in it the Twelve Horse Ale, um, Fife and Drum. Yep. Um, and Summer Brew. Yep. You know, but it was nice because it came in like a nice little vintage package. And you know, summer brew still makes me laugh. I know. And, well, and, and the fact that the label they why. had slapped on yeah. it, it was it's you just know. such the generic like sitcom beer. Summer brew. Well, I I regret it because they came in the pony bottles, that nice little stubby bottles that yeah. they had. And I used to have a collection of them. And after a while, when I had ended up with too many of them, and I, at the time didn't have enough room for them, they ended up. I just been like, oh, fuck it, I'll get them later. Mm-hmm. And then little did I know they wouldn't have it like ever again. But it was, it's one of the first Genesis that I've had because when I first old enough to drink and out of college, um, trying different things and decided I'll try Genesee, why not? Because a lot of people that I went to school with, they weren't fucking drinking it, but they were from the western New York area and talking about Genesee. And plus all my relatives would make fun of like cream ale, calling it screamers. <laughs> yeah. But so it was one of the first beers I had. And I was like, oh, it's pretty good, pretty good. Like it, you know? Um, and it would just be coming out, like, maybe one year they do it in the winter, one year they'll do it in the summer. But for the past, like, six or so years, they just haven't released it at all. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't had it in a while, pr- yeah, probably since that pack that we had. Um, and I, I like it quite a bit. I, you know, it's, it's one of, um, Jenny's finer beers, even though they've done quite a bit of experimenting now with, um, with their, you know, their brew house line, and they were trying different things. Um, I, I still think Twelve Horse Ale uh, has the patented, pat, patented Genesee River Jenny, flavor, huh? Genesee River flavor, basically. Yeah, exactly. It's got, it's, it's got that sort of cheap taste to it. Adjunct. Yep. The, yeah. The, uh, the that you know you're drinking a, a cheaper style beer. But at the same time, it differentiates itself from the regular Jenny and the Jenny Cream Ale with a distinctive flavor. Uh, you said that they they call this a blonde ale, English blonde, English blonde. They used to they used to tote that, calling it an English blonde. Um, I don't really, I don't. To be honest with you, I don't think I've ever had a true English blonde. Yeah, I don't it's know. It's not something that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely. So what I would say is this definitely has the Jenny flavor. The, the, the main line Jenny flavor and then it adds a little bit so it's kind of sweet 
It's got a, a sweet maltiness to it. It's got a little bit of, um, uh, it's, it's very light, sessionable. Um, it's hard to describe, to be honest with you. I don't know that I would call it, I don't know that I get a distinct Blondale flavor from it, but I think that it has, um, it, it stays true to the gen, the original Jenny line. And I think that's what people like about it is that it's classic. Uh, it's, it's very, you know, for a lot, like I was telling you when I went and got it today, I picked up two cases of it, three for me and one for you. And, uh, there were two old guys. One old guy was getting two cases of it wheeled out to his car. And another one's like, oh, they still make 12 horse ale? Wow. You know, I used to drink that all the time. You yeah. know, it's kind of the same reaction I get when I don't get it as often, nearly as often as I used to when I, you know, that when I used to buy cream ale, people would be like, oh, cream ale. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I drink that in the 80s. I yeah. think I think the whole thing is classic. From the design of the 12 horse ale, the name 12 horse ale, um, and then the flavor of it too is sort of classic, you know, pre-craft beer. And it's one of their first this came originally was introduced in the 30s. Right. So, it's, so it's you, you predates have, cream ale. It's like, you know when you when you see a movie and they say like I'll take a beer at the bar. This is it. Twelve horse ale is what that beer is, basically. That's that's what it seems like. It's or even know, a regular Jenny. Just we've talked about. I think we actually have had regular Jenny on the yeah on the podcast because you were talking we've about had Jenny how, Light on the podcast because you were talking about how it just looks like I'll ha- like when you exactly. see the movie like yeah beer I'll have a beer yeah and that's what it looks like and that's I again I think that that's what twelve horse ale is seems like and sells is that sense of nostalgic um you know classic beer that I, I like. I mean, you don't always want to turn to super heavy craft beer. 12 Horse Ale is your your segue between really cheap, crappy flavor swill, and then, you know, besides that, like the, the extreme craft beer stuff that, Listen, that you a, have. There's a reason why. I, mean, I think we talked about it when the uh, one list came out. When you see like top cheap beers, you usually see to a lot of people's like surprise. Like Genesee Cream Ale is like yep. usually like up there, like like the Narragansett, which I, at this point we even consider Narragansett cheap. Yeah, because it's not even. It's not, like you it's know. Hard to find. But I like it a lot. I like yeah. it a lot. Uh, to kind of compare it to the Deer Slayer that we had a couple weeks ago, that was a Blondale that's recently a new like tall boy around the area. Mm-hmm. That's a finer blonde even though it's in a tall boy it's still like a finer blonde ale because it has like a nice blonde ale taste and also you get like cinnamon and clove you know to kind of spice it up a bit i would say the 12 horse is very reminiscent to that but however like that cloviness that you would get with like a blonde ale very much pared down yeah you know but it's still you know like 9.99 12 pack this is a fine winter beer it's a good deal because even though they do do a Schwartz beer now for the uh, for the winter, yep. and it is good, and I do really enjoy Schwartz beers, something in a 12-pack I don't want. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite beers of all time, Saranac Black Forest. I don't want that in a 12-pack yeah, because agree. I'm not going to... Even as malty and delicious and rich and smooth as it is, and it goes down easy, I'm not ever going to sit down, line up, even as much as I love it, be like, another one of those. Yeah. Another one of those. Yep. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. I think 12 horse ale though is one that you can do. Yeah. I wish I would almost wish they'd make this their spring beer. 
even though it's not that springy, you can just get, finally get rid of the Bach. Mm. Because even though I, I like the Bach, out of all of the new like seasonals they do now, easily their worst. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Alright, so there you have it. Look for the 12 for sale. It should be out. Seriously, at this point, Genesee, come on. Send us some t-shirts. <laughs> I know, merch. right? <laughs> we, do, we do it so many... So much that, you know, they should be definitely... As, as I've said before, we're not sponsored by them. That's right. I'm just a fan of their product. We're just fans. Yeah, that's right. And, I, you know, when COVID stops, hopefully, or at least gets manageable, we'll finally be able to go out to the brew house because... Yeah, that'd be a fun time. Their food and menu looks absolutely delightful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially when they have, like, a special, uh, you know, brew, on, brew house only... Uh, option there and they always have like nice you know they're always experimenting and tinkering and they they do have right there now another we were talking about when we got the we that dry hopped cream ale that was um not the new jenny one but the one that was the collab that they did with another brewer yep they have another one that they've just done too that you can only get at you know the tap room and i it that sucks when they do shit like that because they've had a lot of stuff like that like when they did the black raspberry cream ale this year you could only get it at the brew house in four packs, and they had it limited. And it's like, God, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All so right. if you live in the area, or western New York in general, it's not that short of a hike for you, you know. I, I'd say, you know, Genesee's a little slice of heaven for you. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into Shaun of the Dead. Uh, we're talking about 12-horse sale from Jenny, but they're getting their brews from the Winchester Pub. I'm, I'm curious to what it is. What do you mean? Well, Sean's drinking when he's you know, oh, there. oh yeah, yeah. The the actual beer that they're drinking. So, I wanted to look up. I like I said, I was almost thinking like uh, looking up and finding out what we were drinking, and then like this is the beer we got. Definitely kind of like we used to do with uh, like Silent Night, Deadly Night, and like Schlitz and shit. And that. Definitely looks like they're drinking a lager, and then later on a darker beer, porter, probably some sort of porter. Yeah. Um, Curious as to who's it, who it's made by, but yeah, we would like to to grab some of that if we. It's literally, my like favorite moment in this movie. I mean, to get a little off track, just because we're talking about the beer talk a little bit. It's just when you, they're doing the whole like, what's the plan, and they're deciding like what they're gonna do. A and couple that, of montages yeah. that they do, like go to the car, get Liz, get Mom, kill Phil. Sorry, Phil. And go to the Winchester, have a nice cup of, you know, sitting there with pint in hand, you know, and the wink that Simon Pegg does, like, each time when he's, like, first holding the tea, because they're just going to... It's like a put, commercial, yeah. almost. It's yeah. like, love yeah. it. Yeah, and those are, I mean, it's a good segue into Shaun of the Dead, because Edgar Wright, as director, has a really good sense of um, m- m- having movement within his direction that... Um, is kind of unique and and uh while he's doing a lot of zombie tropes there's also a distinct creative flair to the film that makes it somewhat of its own idea um the quick cuts of close-ups of random you know things that they're doing absolutely. real quick yeah that's an that's an edgar wright staple from this to fucking scott pilgrim yeah, and hot fuzz and yep uh all of those things have those quick cuts those zooms um and those moments really add a just a uh, like a unique um, trademark or you know uh, signature to the to the film that uh, I think works really well. Um, so you get things like those montages, um, 
music montages with a lot of those uh, those same quick edits. Uh, it's it's very um, you know it's fast paced in the way that it moves between ideas, and um, I think that's really important thing to point out about Shaun of the Dead. And well, you know, we didn't start out with like the plot summary or anything like that. It definitely does make sense to bring that up first because it is a really big part of Shaun of the Dead. And, um, uh, you know, I think, I think that they do do a really good job with those sorts of things. Um, but let's back up a step, <laughs> talk about, so one thing that Shaun of the Dead does right from the outset is it sort of sets up the idea that the, and, and obviously, um, the viewer knows what Shaun of the Dead is about. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there. It's not like uh, it's not like the film tries to keep uh, it a secret that this film is going to be about zombies. You get it from the obviously from the trailer, from the name of the movie. All of those things are right there for the audience to recognize. But for about thirty minutes of the film in the beginning, the film doesn't really have zombies per se. It is setting up the idea of zombies. By having all of the background background character development uh, sort of resemble zombie like nature, and it's it's uh, sort of that statement on human uh, um, what do I want to say human uh, I don't know hum, like human uh, uh, responsibility I guess of uh, you know you grow up get old become an adult you got to do all of those really not fun things. That uh, complacent, right? Exactly. That you you, you hate to do, and um, the film is kind of showing that in the background, and already making that s- uh, scenario that that mm. s- metaphor of zombies to humans. Not only that, but also it's a great. The opening credit bit is a nice parody of Dawn of the Dead too, because you get them all like you know they show like the cashiers and shit, right. And everything like on the, on the bus, and yep. you just they're all just kind of like slumped and hung, and yeah, you know, shuffling and you get, nature. And of, you get all like the people just walking around, but they got headphones on, just like you know, shuffling around to when it's saying Shaun of the Dead. But to kind of go with that Romero critique of like in Dawn of the Dead, but you also have the very um, why am I drawing a blank on the? I don't know. We're not doing well with vocab today. I know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Who did the fucking score for Dawn of the Dead? Uh, Goblin? Yeah, there we go. The, the Goblin-esque? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Goblin-esque, Goblin-esque yeah, sort thank of like synthy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's got that nice like gonky kind of feel like... Dee, dee, yeah. Dee, dee, yeah, it does. Dee, 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 in, its, in its own way, it's, yeah. it's got that idea of continuing some of those uh, synthy scores from, from other zombie films. And um, you're right. I, what I'm talking about... It, it, does stem from that opening sequence of the the credits where you're kind of seeing everybody kind of shuffling through the motions of their life. They're, they're going through um, basically all the mundane tasks that humans as adults have to do. And um, that even factors into Sean's life who uh, right after that comes into the living room, hopes to play some video games with his <laughs> buddy Ed and uh, instead is reminded that he has to go to work. And I think that everybody can relate to that. And in some ways, it's a nice, uh, you know, obviously Romero had done it previously with um, Dawn of the Dead of drawing parallels to uh, humanity and their um, their implicit um, uh, motivations and uh, things that are sort of 
even maybe some subconscious within uh, the human mind. But um, in Shaun of the Dead, they draw a more explicit uh, parallel between zombies and people who are living their life like zombies. And one of those people, or, or both of those people being Ed and Sean, who kind of live their lives as zombies, going through the motions, uh, not really um, engaging in anything in their life. And the film in at the outset really does a good job of showing that and playing up the humor of that. Um, and, you, you know, for a good 30 minutes of the film, there really aren't any zombies per se. Though you might see the the subtle hints of zombies in the background or uh, seeing people change or coughing um, on buses, you don't actually see a zombie until about 30 minutes in when they show up at um, Sean's apartment. And, and then from there, it's sort of a zombie movie, but the first 30 minutes are more draw the parallel between the metaphor, um, which I think is really nice. It's a... Uh, uh, like you said, the film, though it's a comedy, though it's a parody, does have a lot of like personal touches and uh, character development that makes it stand out from just being a you know generic comedy or uh, one of those movies that is truly only trying to fulfill the uh, allotment of jokes that it gets. Um, so I think that's you know definitely another notch and and Shaun of the Dead's belt for showing, you know, that it can do things more than just parody a horror movie or um you know try to try to uh match the the tone of some of uh the other zombie films that it's uh that it's making fun of. So um the film really has a lot of character right at the start because it's it's focusing on that. So you've got Ed who's sort of a schlub hanging out at uh, Sean's apartment and you've got Sean who is not as much of a schlub, but also sort of a failure in his own way. Yeah. Slacker. And he's being brought down by Ed in some ways. Um, And uh, so you get at the outset that the, the uh, um, uh, basically a uh, conflict between Sean and uh, the other people in his life who are expecting more from him. So you've got his mom who uh, really, Barbara. Though she loves, yeah, Barbara, <laughs> a good nod to Night of the Living Dead. Though she really uh, loves Sean in his own way. Obviously, there's some expectations that he's not fulfilling. Um, her husband yeah. Philip, yes, Philip, who is the stepfather. Step-tip. He's got to constantly say, even at 29 years old, he's not my dad. Yeah, Ster- um, sternly saying, like, you f- ready for your mother's boy monthly visit? Right, and make right. sure you bring the flowers this time <laughs> and not some pansies and posies you found at the local market. Yeah. And then you've got Liz, who's his girlfriend and who is pretty much sick of having to spend all of her time, you know, drinking at a bar or. Which, you know what? I. Who the fuck does she think? What does Liz do? We don't see Liz do anything That's in this true. film no, we either. Don't... So what's not to say she's also a deadbeat, too? It is true. We don't see anything that she does. Just because she's got some pompous friends. See, you, know, you, can, you can do better than Sean. I know. They're just sitting there because you got one who's David, uh, who's a twat and a tit. And basically. Grade A definition of a tit, you know. Basically. Having Harry, a moan. Harry Potter. An older Harry Potter. 
I'm going to be using like some nice British slang now. He's having a moan throughout the you know entire film. About He's whinging. <laughs> and then his girlfriend, who's just there, because like I can't. This is all I got. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, right. she's she's at least resigned to the fact. You know, like yep, yep. You know, but uh, yeah. What I, like I said, Liz's case. You know, yeah. Sean's a slacker, but what is she doing? She's selling TVs. She have a job. What is her job? I don't know. We don't know. And at least in uh, Sean's case, he's trying to step up and be, you know, a little a, like a manager figure at the beginning of the film when he's I, filling I, in. I do, I do like the fact though he sits down to play the game uh, uh, game with Ed. Which, by the way, I want to know what game they were playing. Where he just sits down, hops on. It's like player, player two. two. Yeah, like is, is it like an it's old like one of those like, an, uh, like an side scrolling shooters or like an arcade game. Like you know, you're playing like Metal Slug at the arcade, and you know someone. Put some coins in that Neo Geo, and like Player Two was entered. But like you know, but he sits down, and he starts playing, and he, like Ed's guy be like, "You got work." Like he just forgot, like oh, I got to work today. I wish I could forget. Like you know, like that something that's never popped in my head when I know right. I got to yeah. work today. Like I wish I could wake up and be like, yeah. oh, "I'm gonna start like start making breakfast like nice and slow." To, like, oh, I got to go to work. Wait, what? Day, what day is it? <laughs> yeah. It's Tuesday. Damn, I got to go to work. Yeah, yeah. No, that's never happened to me, unfortunately. I wish I could forget that. Wouldn't it be nice if, like, your you you know your conscience just forgot one just time? Like, yeah, like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. Work. Mm. Who cares? That's what I. I've never been on anti-anxiety or antidepressant meds, but that's sometimes what I feel like. What I would react as like because I do have just some be just to be like Peter from right. fucking Office Space, right? Like, where where I yeah, you're four like, hours late. Popping it's... one of those an- anti-anxiety meds, and I just would not care. I'd just be like, yeah, um, uh, work today. Mm, I don't really feel like it, so it's not gonna go. So, I, so I've got to try one of those and see if that that's how I react to those. But just like Sean. But yeah, so he's you know, life's not going well for him because he just goes you know yeah doesn't have a great job because he's. Essentially, like a Renaissance salesman type gig. Yeah, you know, goes to the pub every night. The Winchester. And he's working at Four E Electronics too. A little reference to Ken Four E, yeah. uh, which is a nice little <laughs> uh, quick, not- quick glimpse. I mean, it's not super. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty explicit, but uh, at the same time, uh. you only get a couple of sh- of uh, shots of the name tag that he's mm-hmm. got on. So. You could miss it if you're not looking for it. Um, well, Shaun of the Dead is essentially the slacker turned hero movie where, like many comedies, um, and especially like stoner comedies, you have that slacker person who you know starts out as uh, the obvious slacker stoner and then through a series of unfortunate events mm. becomes the hero of the tale. And basically succeeds. So this is a remake of Mallrats? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but where Shaun of the Dead differs is that the film also recognizes that Shaun is attempting to be a hero. And he thinks he's being the hero. But along the way is consistently still messing up that, that, uh, that role that he's playing. So he has the idea to, you know... Obviously, go save his mom, save Philip, save Liz. And in that montage, all of those things occur 
and they, you know, he's, he's the hero of all everything's of happening scenarios. so well. Like, exactly. not even taking Liz has got yeah. like a smile plastered on her face, though they're running through a horde of zombies. Barbara's and, happy that right, they're yeah, beating the shit out of she's, Phil. She's basically just <laughs> she's basically galloping yeah. away. Uh, the, everything is going very well, and they're just having a drink at the at the pub, and uh, everything's going great. Well, in reality, he is a hero in some ways. He's still guiding them to some safe haven, which is the Winchester pub. But at the same time, um, we soon learned that probably that idea was not that good because the Winchester pub is soon overrun by a horde of zombies. Well, the best part about that whole thing is um, we get to meet like uh, very briefly. She's only in the film like for a couple of scenes, but Yvonne shows up, you yeah. know, who's just a friend from, um, I'm assuming, college or... Yeah, pretty sure college because most of the, most of the characters outside uh, of uh, Sean and Ed, you know, they knew each other since primary school, but they reference all the time that they like kind of became you know the clique that they are because of from being in college. But you know, so the, she he runs into Yvonne a couple of times, like you know, at first like before the zombie apocalypse happens, and then runs into her after they're trying to get to the pub, and she's like, oh, with her crew, like, oh, where are you going? We're gonna try to find, find the army. But you? Ah, oh, we're going to the Winchester. Ooh. The pub. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> makes me laugh every fucking time. The way she likes to smile. I was like, <laughs> You're right. Like, she's, like she knows like, in ooh. her head. Yeah, that's yes. probably not a good idea. But, uh, well, you know, they made their decision. So who am I to step in and <laughs> say otherwise? Uh, yeah, so that's, that's ultimately how Shaun of the Dead continues to operate. Shaun has ideas. Thinks they're good, thinks they're heroic, does them, and they turn out to be not that good of ideas. And that's kind of part of the the film's um, comedy. It's part of the charm of the film, too, because I think a lot of people in some way see themselves as Sean uh, and, and can um, they can kind of relate to the hero themes of the film and also relate to the making bad decisions part of the film. You know, because in a zombie apocalypse, people are not going to make the best decisions. And you like to think when you're watching those films, you would make. Good, I wouldn't you would make, do that. Yeah, you would make good decisions. You would not do the the things that end up hurting people in the long run. Um, and Shaun of the Dead kind of turns that on its head and says, "Yeah, um, as a regular person, you're probably going to make <laughs> mistakes, thinking that they were the best things that you could do at the time." And that's kind of what happens when they go to the Winchester pub. So great, great parallel to today. Uh, you have the news broadcast telling them that uh, officials are saying stay inside, you know, <laughs> don't make contact and try to fight with them. And they're like, you listen to everything on TV? No. Yeah. And, pff, and you know, Except they got not that. with an Australian accent. Yes. It's part of the Commonwealth. You're kind of turning into no, no, no. It's part. It's part of the Commonwealth. Kind of turning into Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, well, it's okay because it's part of the Commonwealth. (laughs) May not still be part of the British Empire, but still part of the Commonwealth. May throw a nice Canadian accent for Michael. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. I like that part of it because it does again give character development, give realistic elements to Sean, who is trying his best. Sometimes not making the best decisions. And the film kind of um, plays off of that because there's that whole scene where he tries to lead the zombie horde away from the Winchester pub. 
and for a w- little while he comes back is the total hero. Liz is looking at him like, which fuck is, me eyes. And, wait, uh, I was thinking, which is funny, too, because like, how did he even do that? Make his way through the zombie horde, and then like mm. they all file, follow him like the Pied Piper, you know? Yeah. But like he was able, like there's a giant horde there, and he somehow, you know, was able to eke his way through. Yep, and then just lead them away somewhere, and then come back and, uh, you know, do a roundabout circle back to the pub. That, you know, for a little while, he's treated as a hero. Liz is, you know, Liz is happy. Other people are happy. I can't believe Sean did that, and I can't believe he came back for us. Except, and, except David. And David is proven wrong because he said, you know what? Sean's not coming back. He's a loser. He's never <laughs> going to come back. So for a little while during that sequence, we're like, oh, okay. Sean did a good job, you know? For a slacker, this is his redemption arc. And then all of a sudden, the zombies are attacking, and you get that one really quick moment where he goes downstairs. He's turning on lights. He turns on the lights uh, outside, and you see all of the zombies that are stacked up against against the window. And at that moment, you're like, okay. He's uh, got that great ghost face where he goes back up, and Liz is like, what happened? He's like, "Uh, they're back. And she's like, I thought you gave him the slip. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and and that's a great moment because, again – Character character element is relatable, which is very Bruce Campbell like too, because he came back in when he does come back, at, you know, after that, like he is like you know Bruce and fucking evil yeah. uh, and Army of Darkness acting like yeah, gave him the slip, wasn't hard at all, and yep. then like you know for him to be like, exactly not good. <laughs> There's a, a nice um, transition between Sean the hero to uh, Sean's kind of a loser again. And you get that throughout the film, where it keeps happening. Um, the good thing, too, is um, you're talking about how there isn't really any zombie action for the first 30 minutes of the film. That first 30 minutes of the film spends a lot of good time with the great, you know, quips and dry humor of, you know, Sean and, you know, Ed going back and forth at the apartment and then talking to their roommate, Pete, who's got, you know, a bug up his ass because, you know, he's the responsible one and then him at work and his interactions with Liz and his interactions, you know, with his mom and Philip, you know. So there's a lot of building there. Like, you, like it seems kind of ancillary, like mm. in most films, but because it's got such a quick, you know, everything's kind of, it's rapid fire, but it may not seem like it if you're not really into dry humor, because a lot of this dialogue and what's happening is re- really quick and fast paced, but there's a lot happening during that time period. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That that definitely builds because once you get past that, uh, there's not really a lot to let up on. Um, there's a couple of lulls in the uh, the pub itself where they're uh, – and part of that is part of, is the comedy where they get to the pub and they're like, oh, you know, we're not just going to sit here and drink and eat peanuts. And then and that's exactly what they're doing <laughs> because Sean doesn't have any other plan besides that. Um, but besides that got lull – Got dumped because, you know, Liz – Wanted them to go to a nice fancy restaurant and asked, you know, for him to book reservations and he totally forgot about them. And he's like, oh, go to the Winchester instead, even though she said the night before when they were at the Winchester, like, I don't want to come to the Winchester every night. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny. And, um, you know, besides that slight lull, the rest of the film is really fast paced with zombie attacks and, um, you know, the last like 20 minutes or so is all zombie attack uh, at the Winchester. So it's kind of centered on that claustrophobic Winchester setting and continues from there. 
and the comedy kind of drops off towards the end of the film where it does have scenes of sort of emotional um, development and even that attack on David, which is kind of straight out of an actual zombie film where he's ripped apart from from uh, his intestines to his legs and arms and head. All of those are – I mean it's like Day of the Dead. Yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. So and, – and obviously that was um, something of an inspiration. But the film doesn't really play that in a comedy role besides like his legs falling off and being pulled out of the window. <laughs> um, for the most part, it is played as pretty straight. Um, you know, obviously a horrible scenario that he goes through. Um, so I, I commend Shaun of the Dead for being able to both do the comedy element in parody and then also being able to pull off like actual moments that seem like they should be in a real horror movie, um, which I think that that David scene does really well. Um, and then not only that, but you also have um, his girlfriend who runs off to try to save him and yeah, opens the door and, uh, you know, basically... Little usher- leg and just, you know. Exactly. That's basically the the dumb character of a zombie film who... Kind of like Barbara, like just sitting there as they're right. breaking through the barn. But she actually charges in Barbara, just like, Johnny! <laughs> yeah, you know? right, exactly. And, and so you have both of those moments. And I think that's a really good, you know, a, a good uh, segue between... The comedy and then the actual seriousness of the movie that continues forward. I will say out of like all the little emotional moments and like character development, which is, I think, overall very good and very well thought out for a, you know, parody and for like a horror movie. There are a couple that fall flat. The Like when Philip, you know, is dying. And he said, you know, you know, is, you know, giving the speech about, you know, like I've, you know, because Sean's always disliked Philip because he's not his real father. He's his stepdad, you know. But Philip was just trying to be, you know, to be a father figure to him, make him look up to him. And they had that little, like, touching moment in the car after he's been bitten for a second time, you know. Mm-hmm. That comes across, like, you know, after he, pa- like, passes, that comes across kind of flat because it happens too quick and, you know. Yeah, there's, he, it's, there's not enough. Um, lead up to that. Yeah. It, it just kind of happens it, for the sake of it in the car. Like you see in like a lot of horror films where they're trying to have a touching moment and it's like, they kill, you know, like in like any Walking Dead season where they kill off a random character and have like a two episode, you know, eulogy for that character and you're like, who the fuck were they? You right, know? right. Um, and the same thing I would say too when they're at the Winchester and they're all getting on each other's nerves when you're, you know, they're talking talking about like how you know, Sean loves Liz, but he's a loser. And but David, you know, has always loved you know Liz, and he can't let it go. And he's that's why he's always been a bastard to Sean because he loves Liz and can't let it go. And then Diane's like, no, I, you know, I liked you, but you didn't like, you know, but you liked Liz, and but I've come to terms, you know, but you didn't like, she didn't like you back, so I got with you, and it's just kind of we settled, and you can't come to terms that, but I have, you know. That moment is brief, and yeah, but it feels like forever. When mentioned, I like the Mexican standoff part with the you know broken with with the broken beer bottles and the corkscrew, but I mean, like it just like it's like just very like uh. Like we 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 know, you don't have to say that David liked Liz because he keeps calling her like everyone's calling her Liz. He's like Lizzie, you know, like Lizzie. Come on, Lizzie. 
you know, you didn't have to have it like spelt out for you like an idiot. Like, yes, even though he's with Diane, he doesn't really give a shit. Yeah. Just with her because whatever. And she's with him because she doesn't want to, you know. The subtext is already there. You don't need to have it spelled out. Well, what about the the scene with Ed, who's being the sacrificial, you know, sacrificial person uh, that's pretty uh, well done in every yes. zombie film? That's nice. You like that one? It's good. Yeah. Because Ed, he's I still guess, wisecracking as he's dying. So, yeah, and you know. the character has been already built. Yeah. And, and we know that the relationship yeah. between them is strong and... Um, you know, it's, it's a good moment and also plays off of a lot of tropes of zombie films where, uh, that, that happens where you, you have the one guy who's like, I'll stay behind. Yeah. Like in Dawn of the Dead, you had Jake. Let's go to the island. No, can't stay in behind. Why? I was bad. Oh, I think we can actually, um, attribute that to, uh, Gundam. (laughs) With all of the, the sacrifices, unnecessary No, they don't have... No, because with Gundam, there's no characters like, I'll stay behind. They just get fucking... <laughs> Obliterated. Especially if it's a Tomino Gundam. They just, yeah. you know... If you've seen the next... Uh, for the next episode coming up, like, next time on Gundam. Hey, so-and-so starring in this episode. They're not really... Be- oh. They're gonna die. You're dead. Yeah. Uh, so what do you what do you think of the zombie effects in Shaun of the Dead? Because obviously they are uh, a little bit different than some of the zombies that we would normally see in a, a zombie film. Simple, but good. Got the gray, you know, skin. Some kind. I like of, the eyes. I like know, the the gray eyes, the, the contact know. eyes, the blank eyes mm-hmm. that, that come out. Um, simple flesh wounds. I think it looks good. Mm-hmm. It's not like a you know, oh my god, wow, but you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah, I think the eyes are the most um, prominent feature. Like, I, I really like when Philip is in the car and, and uh, at He's the window. He's got that glassy. He's got the glassy lot eyes. That, 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 uh, I think that comes out very well. Um, Best part about that, whole, uh, about that whole thing, too, that being kind of a trope, because we see, uh, you know, Sean kind of knows that, especially when, with Philip. But, like, when they're doing the whole acting, like, how to act like a zombie, when Diane's giving them lessons how to act like a zombie, Barbara got bit. We know, but we don't know because we don't see it on screen. But as they're going through and she's like, ask them to, you know, act like a zombie. She's just got this, that, the actress, she has like such a perfect cold stare, like stare <laughs> off. And she's like, oh, excellent technique, Barbara. She's like, oh, sorry, dear. Miles away. <laughs> yeah. Fucking like great, you know, because she does, especially too, when they're like walking through the horde trying to act like, you know, like, blend in. And she's just walking normally, but, you know, just vacant eyed because, you know, she's slowly turned. It's, it's fucking perfect. Um, one thing I, I thought was interesting is uh, Martin Freeman's in this movie. Real quick is Declan, uh, which is one of Yvonne's friends when they mm-hmm. all meet up together. And the uh, David knockoff because that's one of the best yeah, parts exactly. about that scene too. Yeah, is they're, all, they're all the, the cro- you know the doppelganger of yeah. the other person. Um, I did think that that was interesting that like Martin Freeman, you know, for the most part here now has become you know a much bigger actor and um, and this movie really has very little to do. Um, but fun to see him there. Uh, what do you think about the the ending of the film, which is sort of uh, you know after Ed is sort of um, 
killed and, and, and sacrifices himself, you kind of almost get a bleak moment there where you think, oh, wow, is this film going to end on kind of a downer note uh, where just two of them survive and they make it away uh, on a bus? Which, by the way, ridiculous that the zombies didn't recognize this me- mechanical elevator activating. <laughs> You know, to try to jump on and, and, and attack on. them. Yeah, but that's just great because they show, you know, they rise up and then all of a sudden as they're like, how do we get through this fucking horde? We're screwed. All of a sudden you see SWAT vans come <laughs> fucking rolling through, bashing through the zombies and military men just hopping out and they just fucking mow all the zombies with down. The, with the quick editing and uh, zoom shots yeah, and of, just, of all the like, boots on the ground and, and just guns cocked. Which I do like that because it does, like, gives you hope that, like, hey, maybe our militaries aren't fucking so, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. in, you know, inept. Like, you know, like, hey, they can't because they just fucking, which is shocking, too, that they don't get fucking shot during that whole thing, too. But then, you know, while this is all happening, Yvonne just happens to be there, like, oh, with her golf club that yeah. she was holding earlier. And she's like, oh, you're still alive. <laughs> yep. Glad someone made it. <laughs> And I do like too when they talk about like you know like the they, six the ending six months later, and Sh- Sean's still a slacker and all that, but not Liz still. And then you hear like you know the reasons like they're trying to say like, uh, say like yes, it was debunked that uh, infected rage monkeys cause this. You know, as like a nod to twenty eight days later. later you yeah. know, uh, but I like it. It's nice because then you always know, see him go off to the shed and you know Ed's in there chained up and. They can play video sort, games. Sort of a feel-good uh, ending. You know, so m- mostly happy, happily ever after. Because they're now calling it Z-Day as though they've basically conquered the, the zombie. zombie infection. And uh, the film also goes to great lengths to make sure that it uh, hides the actual reason for infection, just like a Romero <laughs> film. Because a- a- as they're about to say the reason <laughs> for it, they change the channel <laughs> so you don't get it. Um and besides them saying that they debunked the rage infection, they're living really, with it. Like yeah. the, the zombies that are still around. Like, you know, you have like the whole like British Jerry Springer being like, I love him, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm married to him. I got a ring on my finger, but you know, I don't care that he's a zombie. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh I like the ending. Um because at first you think you're gonna get sort of a downer and then you you zoom ahead six months later. And, you know, it, it's an appropriate ending to the film. We've lost most of our, you know, our uh, characters along the way, uh, which is indicative of a zombie mm-hmm. film. But at the same time, you have that, you know, happily ever after ending. And Ed in the... The Queen the song garden. makes it at the end. The, yeah. The yeah. Well, uh, How can you not feel good after the Queen song? Yeah. Um, speaking of Queen, what do you think... One of one of the most quoted in high school for us when it came to this movie is the whole, you know, don't stop me now bit, you know, mm-hmm. where they're in the Winchester and the fucking jukebox come up, comes on, which, you know, they have a bit for that earlier when Sean's in there and you have, you know, Chicago come on, like, mm-hmm. we're like, if you leave me now. Yeah, this good... time you get Don't Stop Me Now. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. And they're just running around to the beat of it. Like, you know, trying to take out the. Well, I'll tell you why I don't like it. I don't like it because it inspired Suicide Squad's multiple <laughs> m- fucking uh, classic rock montages. 
I just love the fact that they're sitting there with pool cues beating the guy to, the, to beat, the beat. Yeah. To the beat. And then, like, and then when they flash, you know, to uh, Diane and fucking Barbara, they're sitting there, you know, <laughs> like kind of like just shuffling to yeah, the beat. Right, like, yeah. you know, like, come on, beat him, beat him, beat him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it is, it's a good moment. It's definitely, uh, definitely a fun um, set piece that they did very well. Like I said, it did <coughs> also inspire a lot of annoyance. Classic rock. Yeah, yeah, just random. Using that in montages for many films to come. Um, But other than that, yes, it's a a fun moment in the film. Yeah. Um, Anything else that we didn't uh, discuss that we didn't cover? Yeah, so what are your – so quotable, what are some some of your favorite lines? My favorite lines? I don't know if I really have favorite lines for this film. Um, Like I said, like the – the context of the quote really matters. And I, I don't have one particularly. I'm, I more enjoy the, the rapport between the, the characters, the, the actual delivery between them, because it, you're like, you said, it's very fast paced. Um, and that, I think that is really what drives the comedy. And maybe you don't laugh out loud, but you enjoy the delivery between the two characters and that's the case with a lot of rye British humor uh, and a lot of, like, good British humor. Um, like, another one that, that I can think of is, like, Peep Show, um, which I don't know if you've seen. They have it on Netflix. But um, that one has similar, like, rye, quick delivery of dialogue where you might not laugh out loud at the delivery, but then you, like, think back and you're like, yeah, that was pretty funny. You know what I mean? You, you're thinking <laughs> about it. And then then you th- when you think about it, you're like, yeah, that was funny. Um, so that is kind of how I see some of Shaun of the Dead. Not so much I want to pick out one phrase and say, this this phrase was funny to me. But what are your favorite um, phrases? One of my favorites is um, when Ed's yelling when they're trying to feel like, oh shit, Pete, Pete might, their roommate still might be pissed off at him. Yeah. And uh, they're like, Pete, Pete, oh, he might, might be still asleep. They keep, like, you know, Sean keeps being like, hey, yeah. and eventually fucking I just yells, oi, prick! I do that all the time when their buddy Matt, like, if I like, text him, like, you know, he's not answering, I'm like, hey, what's up? Hey, you said you need me? And then, like, I'll, like, oi, prick! It's a way to get a response. You know. For sure. You know, because it's great after they say that, like, oi, prick! He looks like nothing, like, not in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fucking, uh... And they're driving, like, you know, I thought you said, uh, you know, you were sitting in the car. What happened? Yeah, about that. When the car smashed into a telephone yeah, pole. Yeah. And he, the only reason that happened is because he purpose like, just the idea of, like, him, Ed, driving in the car, full speed, <laughs> crashing into a telephone pole just so he can drive Phil's dra- uh, Jaguar. <laughs> Fucking great. I love it. Yep, just that too, moments. and like I said, the whole the whole breakdown. As I was telling you, when the whole they're doing the whole breakdown of what to do in this terrible situation of like, what's the plan? Fucking on the TV versions when it plays, yeah, they cut that whole scene down to just the ending. Like, grab Liz, kill Phil, grab Mom, go to the Winchester. Instead of having that whole thing drawn out and like you know the whole shake your head, smile, raise a pint. Everyone's laughing, having a good time, you know. Yep. Yep. 
And probably thirdly, it would be Yvonne just going, Good luck! Oh! The pub! Good luck! <laughs> you didn't mention because, uh, too, also the uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors reference. Which one is that? What you... Him jumping on the trampoline to go over oh, the fence. Yeah, right, right, yeah, jumping on a trampoline. Yeah, that is funny. I, uh... I like the uh, the moment where Ed asks for a quid so that he can go play the, the uh, Dracula pinball yeah, game, the pinball machine to cause a whole lot of of uh, ruckus. ruckus and... Yeah, uh, that's a that's a funny moment. All right. <clears throat> oh, another great one too is when they're like about trying to get into the Winchester, and you got fucking Sean going off on Ed, calling him worthless and <laughs> shit, as they were acting their way to get through the zombie horde. And they get to, you know, the pub, and then he go you know, because Ed's phone goes off. He just sits there and having a conversation, you know. Um, and then, you know, Sean smacks it out of his hand and reprimands him for, you know, being an asshole. And then you, they're like, Sean! And they look at the zombies, and they're just standing there, like, all looking at him. <laughs> and they're like, oh. Oh. <laughs> what do you think, too, but speaking of the zombies... What do you think of them literally just, even more so than Romero zombies? Like, Shambling. Just very, like, very slow. Like, I mean, I think it makes sense for the comedy element to it. Like, because um, you think of the, like, the scene where they're in the garden. Right, throwing the, the, the records, and they're literally like an eighth of a step every two seconds. Yeah. You know, just like, I mean, I think it makes sense, the exaggeratedness for the comedy. Um, and it's not always like the same throughout the film. It doesn't always stick to that yeah, rule, but... I, th- I think it. I think it works just because of you know they're trying to exaggerate that element. I, I liked it. All right, so we got to rate the film on a scale of uh, one to ten. Purple Rain Records. What would you give? Uh-huh, I was going to go Cornetto. Or, or, oh, Cornetto, because that doesn't melt throughout the the whole <laughs> p- period of time. Uh, you know, 30, well, that is thirty the, minute. That is. The, I was say that is the first you know film of the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We call them nutty buddies in the States. That's right. That, too, is also hilarious because he goes to the store and then, you know, that's great when he goes to the store and you see he's just like because he's half asleep still trying to wake up, grabbing a Coke and, you know, a, a Cornetto for uh, for Ed. And you see the blood-stained handprints and shit and all of that. And he's just, you know. Walks that, through like nothing's happening. Yeah, you know, he's, as he's walking down, you know, the street, you know, you see them all shambling in the background, but he's not paying attention. It's all great, but he get br- comes back to bring the Cornetto to Ed, and then they have, like, this whole sequence of them dealing with the zombies in the garden, and after they finally get, like, the the cricket paddle and uh, shovel after he blasts through the shed to grab all that shit, and they beat the shit out of the zombies and they get blood on them. It's been, like, 30 minutes in their time, and that corner hasn't melted at all. Yeah, right. And as just sitting there <laughs> on the couch as they're sitting in blood. And, you know, Simon Pegg's just sitting there kind of like, I can't believe we just killed you know, killed somebody. Hey, you know, for like the eighth time in the film, you hear someone say to Simon Pegg, you go right on you. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's great. It's fucking hilarious. All right. So one out of ten, what would you give Sean of the Dead? If anything, too. No, you know what? Because Cornetto's not original. Blue Monday. That's British. Yeah. Because they, you know, break that seven-inch vinyl of Blue Monday, so. We could do uh, Morrissey as well. 
<laughs> who shows up real quick. Yeah. All right, fine. That's even ha- even during a zombie uh, a zombie apocalypse, Morrissey's on TV <laughs> for a little bit. Fine, we'll do that. So uh, ten Morrissey's. Yeah. I give it a nine. It's one of my favorite films of all time. It's hilarious. Um, I think it's still got a lot of rewatchability to it. I laugh every fucking time I watch it. Uh, Simon, everyone who acts in this film is great. I know they're all been related together on projects like with Spaced and stuff in Britain. But like Edgar Wright does a fantastic job directing. He's I love his visual style. Like his edit, editing style works really well. I think Simon Pegg is does a great job with the writing. They all do a fantastic job with the acting. It's a great parody, which we didn't even do because we'd be here for like three hours kind of pick, nitpicking all the fucking different, you know, homages to different, you know, horror, you know, zombie films. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, re- you know, really well done. It's not only just one of the best parodies of all time, I would also say it's one of the best zombie films of, of all time because it's got enough heart and character in there to make what's happening for it to be impactful and for you to give a damn does a lot. I would, um, I would give it an eight. I think it's really good. Um, I don't think it's, uh, extremely funny to me. Um, it's more of like, a, um, like a appreciation for the humor than anything else. Um, but I do think it does a really good job with the character elements and towards the end of the film, I was really impressed with how it handled more serious elements to it as well. That, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily go for the straight comedy in those moments. It uh, it branches out, does seriousness. Um, that whole uh, David moment where he's eviscerated is uh, straight out of other zombie films that they did a really good job um, kind of recreating and doing um, into this film. And uh, I think they... they uh, you know, they manage a lot within the hour and a half, and it goes very quickly. Um, and I do think it's a very good parody, uh, and at the same time, does its own thing uh, really well as well. Um, Edgar Wright does a great job directing, and it has its own, like, little signature touches to it that we talked about with the editing techniques and, um, you know, some of the fast-paced cuts that make it stand out from from other films of uh, its, its type. Um, so... You know, very well done. Great zombie film. Um, and, you know, I like it a lot. It's just that, um, I don't know. It just, some some something, and I don't know if I can even explain it. You know, it's not my favorite zombie film. Um, but it's a very, very good one. So, 8 out of 10. It's okay. You're just not part of the intelligence cultured enough you're just not exactly right. you're not part of the I, inter- I i will i will say that i prefer hot fuzz to Shaun of the dead it's debatable because mm-hmm. they're both great i prefer hot fuzz i need to rewatch hot fuzz as well and then i mean it's got timothy dalton so i mean you know that's let alone that's you know right off the board five yeah. points right there and then other than that i haven't seen like um the world's end. Haven't seen that one. Um, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, I yeah. think I'm not sure. I know Scott Pilgrim's on Netflix. You can watch Scott Pilgrim. I am not a huge fan of Scott Pilgrim. So stylistically, it's good um, because it's got Jesse Eisenberg. 
No, it's got uh, Michael Sarah. Whatever. Same fucking. Same difference. Uh, no. Michael Michael Sarah getting you know pussy that he shouldn't be getting. Being uh, a co- being a cocky asshole, even know. though I he just, shouldn't be. I just find it. Um, I don't know. It has prime. Weeaboo annoying. It has prime Chris Evans. It does, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Play, playing himself from not another teen movie, essentially. Just. I think it's. I think that movie is fine, and it's got a nice direction and nice uh, uh, photography and things like that. Just not a huge fan of it. I've only seen it once, though, so. Maybe I need to revisit it. Maybe I'll have a completely different. I think Culkin's in there too. Oh, yes, there is. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's uh, Macaulay Culkin's brother yeah. that's in there. I've only seen it once too. I, yeah. yeah. I, thought again, all, I thought it was all right. You know, maybe I need to revisit. Maybe I maybe I would prefer it now. No, I I think Michael Sarah distract. Yeah. yeah. It's like I said, it's not bad, but like I said, I, I don't care for Michael Sarah. Yep. Yeah, I was like, oh, look. You know, now I'm supposed to. Uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an asshole. Get out of here, girl. <laughs> you're, you're a bitch. Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So that's it. We've we've come to the end of our reanimated series. We've come to the end. It's finally dead. Of Halloween. It's dead. That's right. It's finally dead. <laughs> um. So we are going to come back. In two weeks, with a Thanksgiving episode, and we haven't decided what we want our Thanksgiving episode to be yet. Yes, we have. You think it's it's you've got mail? It's got yes. You've got mail. Yeah. Tom Hanks survived coronavirus, <laughs> so of course we got to pay tribute. I don't know. We might do Rocky. We might do uh, Blood Rage. We could even do Thanks Killing Three. We didn't even do Thanks Killing Two. There is no Thanksgiving too. Oh, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving three. So they, uh, they pulled the traveling Willowberries. Basically, yeah. yeah. Well, so cheeky bastards. We will figure that out. We'll we'll figure out what we want to do. We'll do a Thanksgiving episode. We'll just do the last waltz, and you can watch. You know this Good giant God. Co- giant. You know three hour cocaine induced concert about the band. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about the last time performing live. Yeah, I don't know about that. Hey, listen, they gave everyone at that concert in the crowd uh, turkey and canned yams. Ooh, that's very nice. I would, you know, I would love to show up, you know, to a concert see see Neil Young with a giant, you know, <laughs> coke shit coming out of his nose and get some know, turkey. Being like, I got turkey. Yeah, so we're gonna do a Thanksgiving episode, and then maybe after- we'll just do Dutch again. Let's just like every year, we'll just do Dutch do every Dutch year. Again. See. All right, it's year four of doing Dutch. Let's see if Martin likes it this time. You know. <laughs> well, I watch it every year, so I know it doesn't you... make any difference to me. I'll do it again. I don't get it. You could just watch planes, trains, and automobiles. I do that too. I know. I know There's but... a limited number of, of Thanksgiving movies to I know, visit every year. Because so. the list we were looking at, I assumed you looked at the same list yeah, I, did I did too. Yeah. You know, fuck it. A, a very limited <laughs> A very limited amount of Hey, uh, they mentioned they like like I was like North by Northwest. That's not a fucking Thanksgiving film. They, yeah, there's one scene there's, where there's yeah, a paper and it says, you know, yeah, a lot of them have like <laughs> one scene where Thanksgiving takes place. You know. Um but yeah. I, I love Dutch. Uh so yeah, we're gonna do Thanksgiving episode uh next time in two weeks, and then we will do uh we'll be back after that to do our Yearly Christmas movie shenanigans that we do all the time. 
We've got another Silent Night to do. Last one. Last one. Maybe we'll do the Black Christmas remake this time. Haven't done that one yet. Um, uh, Santa Claus 4. There is no. (laughs) Thank goodness. There's no Santa Claus 4. It's probably coming. Jingle all the way to. Actually, I lied. With Larry the Cable Guy. I lied because um, I don't think, because it's a Disney-owned property, that Disney would like Tim Allen these days running around. Yeah. Yeah. Masquerading as Santa, saying racial epithets. We do have like we have Jingle all the way to. We got we and then there's a whole bunch. There's a whole bunch of horror movies that we haven't covered with all of all the same ideas. Don't open till Christmas. Uh, Silent Night, Bloody Night. Um, uh, Christmas Evil. Uh, something else. Um, we could do if we can find a copy, elves, which is horrible, horrible, and that's got Roddy uh, Piper in it, I believe, if I remember correctly. Elves. How dare you ever say that something that has R- Rowdy Roddy Piper in it be meh? It is not easy to find either. No, I'm no, I'm sorry. It's got Dan Haggerty in it. That's I'm confusing the two. Dan Haggerty. <laughs> Elvis is terrible. Elvis is terrible. I've seen it. I've seen it twice. Once I watched it and had to review it. The second time I watched it and tried to watch it. <laughs> it's just awful. Um, so we could do elves. We could do. We haven't. We ne- we didn't. No, we did. <laughs> What were you gonna say? <laughs> gremlins. We did it, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we did, did it. it. We last did year. It. We did it last year. I completely year. forget sometimes. I'm like, we can do gremlins. We did it. We did it. Um what else? We could do Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's a Christmas movie? <laughs> Got Phoebe Kate with her boobies. Oh, okay. So there you go. Um, and Judge Reinhold. It does, yeah. Everyone's favorite Christmas movie. We could dad. we could do um yeah, we could do Jingle All the Way to. We could I do, will never do a Larry the Cable Guy movie for we, this podcast. We could do uh, the Christmas Vacation TV sequel. It's awful. Just awful. Just awful. <laughs> Judge Reinhold is in that one. He's like the only returning person for Christmas Vacation. May, and maybe. And is, is Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid returns as well. He's, he's yeah. the lead. Yeah. Those we, are could like, do, we could do all the Home Alone's. We didn't do Home Alone, did we? No, we, we haven't done Home Alone. That's an idea. I don't know. That's an idea. We haven't done Home Alone. You, I fucking you... cackle like a loon when I, I when I watch Home I Alone. Bet you do. I fucking love Home Alone so much. You won't when you get the three and four. No, no, that's true. That's true. Um, the, ba- the babysitter is another one that takes place around Christmas, right? Maybe I'm mistaken. I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Figure anything, it out. we'll do Home Alone 4 because I stole Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> That's right. Malcolm McDowell runs out of money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thanks for listening to our Halloween episode. We will be back for the other seasonal episodes next time. Um, and, and if you want to catch us, find us on any podcasting app. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on them all. So 
Find us on one of those, subscribe, and leave us a nice review. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodandblackrum. We're on Twitter at bloodandblackrum. And we have an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. Write to us, let us know what you like about the show, what you want us to hear, uh, what you want us to cover on the show, and we'll take that into consideration. And you can donate to us at patreon.com slash bloodandblackrumpodcast. Anything that you donate goes right back into the show, and we uh, appreciate anything that you can give to keep us running. And for beer money. So check out Coltsploitation. That's right. Check out Coltsploitation.com where we cover all kinds of cult films, horror movies, and Blu-rays. And 4K stuff too. So if you have a 4K UHD TV and and uh Blu-ray player, cover that too. Tons of screenshots too. Lots of nudity. Hmm. We uh do nudity series all the time. We've done all of the Friday the thirteenth nudity. Updated with the new Blu-rays from Scream Factory. We've done all the Halloween nudity. We've How much per- more Kevin Bacon penis is there? No penis, but and if you watch the uh if you watch the unrated you... version of Friday the 13th, you get even more butt. I thought uh you said uh Kevin Bacon's weenie flies out. No, no wang. Just butt. And uh, just yeah, just button. You butt. said when we reviewed it for J Movie, so. yeah, you said you get to see Kevin Bacon's See his butt. No, you said wiener. I don't know about wiener. Uh, <laughs> we so we did all the Halloween nudity, so you can catch that. <laughs> That'll be perfect for your Halloween. This Halloween on Saturday, spend your day perusing all of the Halloween nudity. Watch Rob Zombie's finest. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, just watch trailer trash. That's right. Know. We grab the nudity, so you don't have to watch those movies. It's all <laughs> on the site. We've got. All of the Hellraiser nudity. We've, I had to watch all of the shitty Hellraiser sequels past three. Oh, there's more to, than three? Oh, there's eight, nine. I can't remember. Nine, I think, is the total. Nine Hellraiser movies. You know, to be honest with you, I don't even think I've seen a Hellraiser. Oh, wow. Maybe, seen the, fir- that. maybe seen the first one. That's yeah, great. The first three are good. The rest, no. Maybe it's two and three. I don't know. They used to, the ones that they used to play on, like, UPN. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Could not, be two. Be two. Yeah, not anything. Uh... We we did <laughs> all of the slumber party massacre nudity. It's great, <laughs> and we'll 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 soon be doing the sister scenario, the sorority house massacre nudity. Soon doing that one, and we've done all of the wrong turn nudity. I had to watch wrong turn two through six. That was not a lot of fun either. There's sequels to that too. Six wrong turn movies. God damn. Yeah. So so check all those out on cultsploitation.com. All that nudity at your fingertips. We're like Mr. Skin for horror. So uh check it out. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us through the Halloween season. Uh we hope you have a great Halloween this Saturday. Uh, and we'll see you back for our Thanksgiving and holiday episodes. <laughs> Take care.